Hey, welcome to First Baptist Church of Aransas Past. So glad you're with us. So glad we can continue to do this. So glad that the Lord has provided so that we can continue to pour into you. We want to, that's our desire, to continue to pour into you as much as we possibly can the Word of God um, and the truth of God. We, we are so blessed to be able to do this and to continue to, to, to reach out to everyone with the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm so happy that you're with us this morning. And uh, I just want to ask if you'd pray with me uh, real quick before we get started. Lord, we love you. Lord, we lift your name high. We ask for your presence, Lord, your purpose. Lord, we ask for your will to be worked out through this message, that your truth would ring true, Lord, and that that would be a light unto our path. Your word, God, help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's uh, let's, let's start out today. We're going to start into Mark chapter 5. So we're going to read about a pretty famous account of a woman who was healed by Jesus Christ. And after suffering for a long, long time, she was finally healed. And I want to read that with you today. And this is going to start in Mark chapter 5 and verse uh, 24, if you'll go there with me real quick. All right. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus, he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Amazing, amazing. Now to begin with a little context. Uh, So Jesus was on his way to heal the daughter of Jairus, uh, who was a leader in the synagogue at that time. Now Jairus' daughter was dying, if you'll remember. So he came to Jesus, threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to go heal her, as any one of us would probably do for our our children, right? And so while Jesus was on his way there to heal Jairus' daughter... That's when this encounter takes place, and that's what we're reading right now. So this is a healing on the way to a healing. Pretty amazing stuff. Now, verse 24 again. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, these two verses at the beginning of our discussion here today are pretty important. They're pretty meaty, and they have some really nice stuff in them. First, the importance is in the crowd following and pressing in around him. And second, the woman subject to bleeding for 12 years is important in relation to the crowd that's pressing around Jesus Christ. Now, so she would have been deemed ceremonially unclean, if you remember anything about the Old Testament law. Um, she would have been deemed ceremonially unclean and not fit to be in public at all or in the synagogue or in the temple for worship. She couldn't be there. If you th- just think about it, she would have made absolutely everybody that she came into contact with unclean. As far as the, the, the Israelites go, the Jews go, they, they would have been unclean, ceremonially unclean as a result of her touching them or even like brushing up against her garment. Now, she was on her way to Jesus, so this is pretty remarkable as in, in her unclean state. And if Jesus were an ordinary man, she would have made Jesus unclean as well, right? And so you could argue that, well, isn't Jesus unclean now because she touched the hem of his garment? Let me read Leviticus 
15, 25 through 27 for you. And this is from the Old Testament law. This is how we know that, that they're unclean. In verse 25, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed that she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean as during her period. Anyone who touches them will be unclean. They must wash their clothes and bathe with water and they will be unclean until evening. So, right, needless to say, but worth saying anyway, the Israelites did not interact with people who were unclean and they wouldn't have been interacting with her on any, in, in any sort of normal circumstance, right? And she would not have been interacting with them either. Now, she was basically like a leper. She was a, a castaway. She was outside of normal society and worship life. She wasn't allowed to take part the way everyone else was who was clean. She would have been by herself for a very long period of time. And think about the loneliness, feeling very ashamed at her unclean state before coming to Jesus. And this unclean state, she has no control over it, right? She can't control her state. She can't control it. It says that she was going to doctor after doctor and, and not able to be healed by the doctors. In fact, maybe, uh, uh, in fact, even getting worse uh, after going to the doctors and, and, you know, trying all sorts of different stuff. She had no control over this on her own and she would have been shunned by everybody, including her own family. Now, this condition of blood was ongoing for 12 years, like the scripture says, so we can just imagine the loneliness and the struggle that she had to deal with on an everyday basis, right? On a daily basis. And, and think about that. Think about how, how we um, right now are like, you know, we're, we're quarantined, so to speak, from public. I know we're still getting out to get groceries and, and, and these sorts of essential things, but we're taken out of public life right now. And even being taken out of public life, but still being able to shop, a lot of us, uh, there's a lot of people posting things on social media, right, about having cabin fever, uh, people, you know, really, you know, giving kudos and props to all the teachers out there because of them dealing with their children all day now, uh, you know, especially those who are staying home and, and out of work right now, you know, having to be with their children all day, we, we, we've seen some some funny stuff out there and just kind of, you know, playing around in jest, but, you know, there's, there, there's a a, a real frustration that, that builds up when we're pent up, right? When we're, when we're closed in, uh, when we've got nowhere to go, when we don't really have any options to go out, frustrations grow and we become weary physically because of it, uh, because we're out of the norm, because we're, um, things are affecting us that normally don't affect us, right? Um, we're having to deal with things uh, in, in new ways now because of this pandemic, but even, we, we have access still to the outside world. We can still be around people, uh, albeit, you know, not within six feet. We're not supposed to, and we're supposed to stay out of public as much as we can anyway. But there's a lot of frustration, and there's a lot of, like, I still want to get out. And there's a lot of, like, well, can we at least still go to the beach? Or, what? you know, because we don't like being pent up. We don't like being locked up. We don't like being set aside. We don't like being away from people that we love. If you think about it, this woman was dealing with that to an even greater extent because she was an outcast from religious society, which was their life in the Jewish world. They were, uh, they, 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 their ordinances, their obedience to the law, the, the, the sacrifices, the everything, the temple worship, all those things were part of the daily life of the Israelites, and she wasn't able to take part in any of that 
because of something that she had absolutely no control over, right? She didn't do this to herself, it doesn't say. And so she's dealing with that loneliness. She's dealing with that, that kind of outcast sort of a circumstance. Um, she's dealing with it to a, a great degree, uh, knowing that it's been going on for 12 years. There's got to be a desperation there, a loneliness, a shame, a remorse, uh, a longing to be a part of, a longing to be a part of uh, the, the, her, her body of faith and, and, and even just her own immediate family, uh, probably. She was alone and she was estranged from everyone she knew. And she was in desperate need of someone to save her from this condition. And lo and behold, she hears that Jesus is passing through. In verse 25 here, it says that she was subject to bleeding for 12 years. Subject to bleeding for 12 years. I like the way that that's worded in this uh, uh, particular translation because it, it, uh, it denotes a subjectivity. She was subject to it. In other words, she had no control over it. She was subject to it. If we're subject to something, that means that we are controlled by something else. Or it means that we live because and, and, and respond and act because of something that's already been done. We are subject to that, okay? So we're underneath it and she was subject to this condition that she had ongoing for 12 years she had no control over it but she was at its mercy she couldn't do anything because of it so she was a slave to it as well to this condition Um, everything in her life everything that was being dictated to her about her life everything she could do and could not do was because of this because she was subject to that condition that she had verse 26 She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Okay, so now that she did go see doctors and actually get some sort of treatment, spent all that she had so that she could get better, she grew worse. Now, that's like the worst case scenario, right? That's something we don't want ever to happen is that when we're going to the doctor, they, 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 not only can they not figure it out, but we grow worse as a result of it. So think about the loneliness and the despair in this woman. In Luke 8, 43, um, he suggests that she could not be healed by any of the doctors. She could not be healed by any of the doctors. Luke's got a great account of this as well, and I'm going to actually re- reference that here in a little bit. Now, John MacArthur, in his commentary, writes, quote, In New Testament times, it was common practice in difficult medical cases for people to consult many different doctors and receive a variety of treatments. The supposed cures often conflicted and made the ailment worse, not better. So with all this said, it seems that the doctors did not have the answer, nor did the woman, and she was shunned by the community Uh, that she loved and her family because of this condition. In verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, this is just absolutely incredible. Okay, so now we, we, we learn about her hearing of Jesus, that she had heard of him. When she heard about Jesus, verse 27 says, when she heard about him, she came up behind him and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his garments, I can be healed. Imagine that. Imagine that, that type of resolve, that desire, that drive, that focus, and that faith to just think that if I just touch the hem of his garment, 
I will be made new. I will be healed. She'd heard about him, and, and he had already, by this time, uh, as you know, he had already been healing people. He had been casting out demons. He had been uh, speaking of his fulfillment of the scriptures. People were looking at him completely differently than they used to because of the things that he was doing. So she hears about him, and she believes, hey, this guy can help me, okay? Uh, he, she believes that he can help her. She was a sinner. She was in need of saving. And so we also know that not only did she she needed help for her physical condition, but she also needed help, eternal help for her spiritual condition. And these things are going to go hand in hand here because she was a sinner, did realize that she was in need of saving, and she went out to the greatest doctor of them all for one final attempt at healing her dire condition. Listen, y'all, she had tried everything. She tried everything that she knew, every conventional means of healing that she had, uh, that was available to her, she tried it. And the, the scripture says, uh, you know, as we read, that she didn't get any better. She grew worse as a result of it. Now, in our life, before coming to Christ, this is all of our story, that we've tried everything. Everything that the world has to offer, everything that medicine has to offer, everything that neurology or science or um, astronomy, uh, everything that, that, that the world has to offer and education has to offer, we try it as a means of finding the answers to life's most important questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Who am I? Why am I here? Did somebody put me here? How has this all happened? What does it mean for me right now? And what does it mean for me going forward? And also, extremely important to all of us, is the existential question of what's going to happen to me after I die. Now, we search the world. We turn the world upside down for answers to these questions. But it is only upon humbling ourselves at the feet of Jesus Christ that we find the answers to these questions. So when she heard about Jesus, again, verse 27, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Listen to that word there at the end of verse 29, that she was freed from her suffering, from her suffering. She suffered, y'all. All that stuff about, oh, she was probably dealing with shame and loneliness and despair. Absolutely. Where do we get that? Because she was suffering. We all know what it's like to suffer at varying degrees because of various different things in life. But we all know what it's like to suffer and we all know that we don't wish it on anybody because suffering, suffering ain't good. It ain't fun, right? But we have to know that in this world we will suffer. And when we suffer, there is one that we can come to that will have the answers that we need and provide that comfort in our time of need. And that one, of course, is Jesus Christ himself. And that's where she comes. So she uh, had already been hearing about him, right? Healing people. And she believed that he could help her. And uh, he was there and he was being crushed by the crowd and they were so tightly pressed up against him, it says in Luke 8, 42, but, but she managed to get through. She did. She managed to, to get through all of that. Notice her thoughts were, were focused on, 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 on getting to, to him, 
no matter what it took. She was focused. She had a purpose and a goal. And she was going to accomplish that goal no matter what it took that day because she had already tried everything else and nothing else worked. In fact, she was getting worse. Again, she was getting worse no matter what it took. She was going to get to him. It defied logic and it defied the law for her to be amongst the people pressing up against them with the same defiled garments that would now make them unclean. She was already unclean. Remember, they were now going to become unclean as a result of her pressing up against her, uh, them and, 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 and uh, going through that crowd. And in retrospect to the study, knowing that even her garments would make anyone who touched them unclean, notice that she touched Jesus' garment. She touched Jesus' garment so that even just the touch of his garment would change her condition to make her clean. So if anybody just touched her garment, they were unclean. But if she just touched his, then she was completely clean. And not only was she clean, but everyone else was now safe, like safe from that uncleanliness and that ceremonial law that they were, uh, they would have then had to adhere to and done all these ritualistic washings in order to cleanse themselves. I thought it was a nice correlation from the Lord that he showed us there that, that, that although her garments made everyone unclean, right? His garment made her clean. That's just, it's just amazing. If I just touch his clothes, she says. Now this, this, this is insight from the Holy Spirit. This is insight from the Holy Spirit. Nobody knows the thoughts of men and women but God himself. She says, if I just, because she, it's in verse 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, she thought, how can we know what she was thinking? Insight from the Holy Spirit. Men don't know this. God knows. Nobody knows the thoughts of men and women, but God himself. And we read of Jesus doing this exact same thing when he perceives the thoughts of the people when he's speaking with them. Now, we can see that in different instances in scripture. Now, her thoughts did not betray her in this moment. Instead, her thoughts came from a pure heart, wanting what every one of us wants in the deepest parts of our soul. We want healing. We want to be saved. We need healing from all that ails us in this life. And we yearn for salvation and to be, uh, to be united once and for all with our God. This is what our soul cries out for from deep within but again, her thoughts didn't betray her. Let me ask you a question about your thought life, church. Do your thoughts betray you at times? Do you think things that are ungodly? Do you see things in your mind, pictures in your mind as you think about different things that are ungodly that betray the very God that saved you or that offers salvation to you if you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Do your thoughts betray you? I want to submit to you that my thoughts betray me, church. All of our thoughts betray us at times. But when we can get into a place where we, where we are desperate for God and we are desperate and, uh, uh, for the healing of our Savior, and this can happen every single day in our lives, our thoughts will not betray us. Why? Because we're focused solely on Him. In order for your thoughts not to betray you, church, your thoughts have to be focused on Christ on his godliness, on his righteousness. Remember, we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all things will be added unto us. If I just touch his clothes, she thought. Wonderful insight from God himself. 
I want to also notice that in Matthew 5, uh, he tells us that the pure in heart shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, this is an incredible truth because we see here her thoughts did not betray her when she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I can be healed. It is, it is an amazing, amazing viewpoint that we get to see, right? We get this incredible bird's eye view of her heart and the purity of it to seek God for the healing that she needed. And because she was pure in heart, because her thoughts did not betray her, she saw God. She saw God in in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Notice also the degree of faith that was exhibited here. She didn't she, she didn't need a conversation with him. I think this is so remarkable. She just heard about him and she like navigates through the crowd. She's like, y'all get out of the way. I need to see him, right? And that's, that's how we should be in our prayer life. Everything, everything else, shut it out. Get it out of the way. I just need to be with him right now. I just need him because I need him because I need help right now. And you may find yourself in that place now, today. You may find yourself in that place tonight. And I tell you that the answer is already there. And his name is Jesus. And he's reaching out his hand to grab you from beneath the water that you're sinking in. All we need to do is reach up and grab that hand. How do we do that? How do we apply that? Church, we pray. Church, we seek God. Church, we read the scripture. Church, we get close. Remember, if you're feeling far from God, church, then get close because he's there waiting for you with outstretched arms and an open heart to receive his bride. She didn't need that conversation with him. She didn't need for him to rearrange his day to come to her, heal her separately apart from everyone else. She only needed to touch his garment And she was able to accomplish that. Now imagine, if you can, the desperation in her heart. That, oh Lord, just to touch your garment, Lord, that's all I need. That's all I need, Lord. I just need to touch your garment. Imagine that desperation, church. This is how far down she had gone. And, and, And through this heart and the richness of this heart... Because of the lack of anything worldly. Because of the lack of any false pretense about who God has to be or or how she's got to be right and she's got to get it all together before approaching God because she's been too bad. She was void of all of that. She rushed headfirst into that crowd in her unclean state just at the chance that she would touch his garment so that she would receive the healing of God. She believed that it could happen, and it did happen. And she actually feels this healing take place. She's healed on the spot, and suddenly she's changed from the inside. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are made completely new, that we are a new creation, a new creature in Christ, where the old has gone, has gone, and behold, the new has come. Church, You are new. You're made new in Christ. Be new. Allow the new desires of your heart to be met with gladness and joy as you seek out first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Allow your desires to lead you to God because they are new desires now in Christ. Now, there's a big difference between your desires in Christ and your desires in the flesh. And you'll know exactly what that difference is because the Holy Spirit will give you that discerning heart so that you will not be led astray by the flesh. But even if you are led astray, church, and even if your desires are all of a sudden, hey, listen, I I want what the world has now, ask for forgiveness from God. Turn back to him and let him bring you back and lead you in repentance. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Imagine that 12 years, y'all, 12 years of this, 12 years being shunned, 12 years being an outcast, 12 years trying to figure this thing out, 12 years suffering, 12 years feeling drained. Man, she's bleeding all the time. She's, uh, that drains the body. It, 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 uh, it creates a fatigue of sorts that's unlike a fatigue that I know. I don't know that kind of fatigue. I haven't been bleeding for 12 years, church. Think about all that. And that suddenly she felt freed from her suffering. Galatians 5.1 says that it is for the sake of freedom that Christ has set us free. There is a freedom in Christ that the Lord wants us to experience to his glory that we are free. That is incredible. And it, it is a, a freedom, a freedom knowing that we know the right one. It is, there, is a, there is freedom in knowing that I don't need to go and look and search for anybody else to help to save me because I've found the one who does, the only one who does, and I've given my life to him. There's freedom in that because there's no longer uh, the, the, the looking over the shoulder. There's no longer the looking around the corner to see what else the world has to offer because we know where the answers lie. They lie in Christ and in Christ alone. She was suffering indeed, as we all are becoming, uh, before coming to the Lord with true faith and a repentant heart. Our hearts must be filled with a deep desire that goes beyond anything that this world can offer. She didn't just want him to save her from her condition, y'all. She needed him to save her from her condition. Her eternal state, her eternal condition the thing that was really wrong with her. Yes, the physical ailment was, and she had that that she was dealing with and she was suffering because of that. But she had a condition that was even deeper than that. In her unsaved state, she was going to face a, uh, uh, an eternity far worse than any pain or any fatigue or any kind of loneliness or desperation that this uh, uh, condition of blood for 12 years would cause. But now wrapped up into the family of Christ, she has an eternity in glory that she has uh, the opportunity to be hopeful about. She didn't just want him to save her from her condition. She needed him to save her from her spiritual condition. She had nothing left in her heart. She knew that she was nothing without him. And I can relate to her in this. And I'm sure that many of you can relate as well. We're nothing without him, and we need him for life and salvation. There is no answer that we can get in the world that will satisfy the soul. 
because those who long for God, only God can fill the void in our hearts. Y'all, we are completely lost without Jesus. There is a chasm that exists between God and man. There is a great gulf. We need a bridge. We need a way for man to be with God. And God provided that in Jesus Christ. That by His grace, if we believed in Him, through faith in Him, we would be saved And we would be granted entrance into eternity based on the work that Jesus Christ accomplished at the cross and through the resurrection. He paid the penalty for sin and was raised from the dead by his father three days later. You see, I I can relate to her. We can all relate to her. We can know the law. We can be good in school. We can have knowledge. We can have degrees galore. But this does not change the condition of our hearts or our standing in heaven. No amount of degrees or knowledge or research will ever get you into heaven, church. Jesus Christ tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him in John 14, 6. And this is the truth because he says no one, no one may come but through him. Nobody. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. So he turns around, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And his disciples, right, they're, they're, uh, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. You know, they were kind of perplexed at the question, what do you you mean? There's, There's people all around you, Lord. What do you mean who touched you? I don't know, I can't keep track, right? They're freaking out a little bit, it seems like. But then... Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. How did she know what happened to her? Because she felt the healing from the inside. Remember, verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So again, verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Trembling with fear told him the whole truth. All she did was touch his clothing and she was healed. Felt completely changed from the inside, freed from her suffering. She trembles in fear. Oh no. I didn't even say anything to him. I didn't talk to him. I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't introduce myself. I, I've, I've got to go to his feet. I've got to go to his feet. I've got to explain this because he's asking questions now and I need to answer him. Y'all, this is the way that we often feel in the Lord, that we tremble at his feet. When prayers are answered, I literally in my heart tremble at the feet of God because I realize that his power is far beyond anything that I can ever fathom. His power is far beyond anything I can ever imagine. His power, me being able to experience his power in real time through answered prayer and miracles galore throughout our life, right? Us even being able to experience that power is so wild to me. It's so otherworldly to me. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Y'all, don't, don't hold back the whole truth from God. Tell him the whole truth. Tell him the whole truth. He knows when we hold things back. But it is the pure in heart who shall see God. 
The pure in heart shall see God. The whole truth, the pure truth. In 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So Jesus, right, immediately, immediately knows what happened. He knows it immediately. He's not fooled. He's not fooled into healing somebody he doesn't want to heal. It's not like somebody who is not supposed to be healed can go up to Jesus, touch him, and then be healed and be like, yeah, see ya, got it, laters, right? Can't do that. There was purpose in this, and there was even purpose in him asking the questions he did. You see, he's not healing somebody he didn't know that he would be healing that day. He knew. It's not like he was strolling along, trying to shake loose from the crowd, and just, just, to, just to get to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, nobody else. Hey, man, I'm just, gonna, I'm just looking to get by. You know, y'all, y'all pressing around me, crowd's getting tight. I'm trying to get out. It's getting hot up in here, right? Jesus, that's not his, that's not his MO. That's, that's not what he's doing. This was also, this healing, on the agenda of the Lord that day. It's important to know that he thought it was so important that he had three different guys write about it in the Bible so that we could have three different accounts of the same healing to learn from. We read about it in Matthew, and we read about it in Mark, and we read about it in Luke. So when he asks who touched him, he's not making, or he's not asking this question out of ignorance, like really not knowing, like I really don't know, who who was it? It's so that the woman is given a chance to come forward and glorify God for her healing. So she's awestruck in amazement, and she's so awestruck in amazement that she comes before him, falls at his feet, trembles with fear, and tells him the whole truth. And listen, this is, this, is, this is what's been going on. This is what's been going on with me. I just, you know, 12 years ago, and then she, she tells him the whole truth. Because she, because this, this shows her, because she's reverent. This shows her reverence. For him, this shows that, that she has an intimate knowledge now of his deity, who he is, the power that he's got. That's why she trembles with fear before a perfect God, y'all. We all tremble in fear. It happened to every single person that's written about in the scriptures, New Testament, Old Testament, that has ever given a vision or seen Jesus high and lifted up like Isaiah, right? John, right? We, we read about these prophets trembling, falling to their faces, trembling in fear in the presence of God because he's different than they are. He's different than we are. He's high and lifted up and we're down here. We still contend with the flesh. We're still being torn away, right? We're still, our flesh is dying, our spirit's growing, being sanctified in the Lord, but that tearing away, that pain that we feel, we still have to experience that. And because of that, the flesh, the flesh part of us, it literally dies in the presence of God. It is being torn away. It is being obliterated in the presence of God so that we fall to our feet, or we, we, I'm sorry, we fall to our faces and we tremble with fear in his presence. It is only upon Jesus calling down to us to say, have no fear, that we can actually look into him, into his, his, his face, and, and know that our God is a compassionate and tender-hearted God who seeks to help and save those who call upon his name. You see, uh, verse 34 says, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And be freed from your suffering. You know, where he says that her faith had healed her, other versions have translated this verse, uh, made you well, and it can also be rendered made you whole. 
And it's a very significant, it's a very significant little, little section there because there's, there's only wholeness when speaking of salvation. You have to add in salvation when you're speaking about wholeness. When you're speaking about like wholly free, W-H, right? Holy, like, like freed completely, completely free, whole, free and whole, you have to have salvation in there because just a physical healing is only partial freedom. That's only freedom from something that you're suffering with here in this life. When we talk about whole freedom, complete freedom, we have to talk about salvation. We have to talk about it. That's the only way we are made whole. She was given salvation. She was made a whole through the power of faith in Jesus Christ. And just as soon as she touched his garment for healing, in that moment, boom, his power was such that it provided covering, not only from an earthly garment for a lifetime, right? But covering by his blood for eternity. He wasn't just covering her with his cloak, with his garment, with the hem of his garment. It, just, it wasn't just a covering, an earthly covering, a physical covering. It was an eternal covering by his blood forever. Faith is an incredible and an unexplainable thing. It's a mystery how faith works. You see, sometimes we can see healing take place because of faith, that the Lord requires it. But other times... Or at another time, namely in uh, Luke 22, he heals without faith. You see, if you're not healed, though you believe in Jesus, I want to bring this up because faith, usually when Christ heals somebody in the scripture, it's because of their faith. In Luke 22, 51, Luke 22, 51, but Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. This is when Peter uh, cuts off that, uh, that guy's ear when, when they're, when they're uh, like the, the soldier, the, the, the guard, right? The, when they came to arrest Jesus, Peter takes out a sword, cuts off the guy's ear. And then Jesus, verse 51, but Jesus said, no, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed them. There wasn't any faith present in that man, nor did that healing seem to change them afterward. There's nothing in the scripture that seems to suggest that they were changed as a result of that. And it even says, moreover, in John 18, 6, here it says, that um, when Jesus said to them, I am he, when he's getting arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. At his word, they drew back and fell to the ground. His word had power enough to drive them to the ground. He healed the dude's ear, right? Puts it right back on him. And nothing changes them. And there is no faith present in that moment. But he still heals. He heals in that moment, seemingly to show something to his disciples about how they are supposed to live their lives going forward. And so I want to tell you that faith is an incredible and unexplainable thing. If anybody's ever told you that you don't have enough faith and that's why you haven't been healed, they're lying to you. They don't have the answers. Because I've met some incredibly faithful men and women in my life who have prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to heal them of a certain affliction and they hadn't received that healing. And they go to their death. In fact, we just had two church members pass away within the past week. The church as a whole was praying for their healing, praying for them to get better, praying for them to have some more time. In one instance, it was cancer. We were praying for Patricia for, for a long time to be healed, and she wasn't. She was taken to be with Jesus instead. If anyone ever tells you, that you haven't been healed because you lack faith to be healed and you believe in Jesus Christ, they're lying to you. 
Jesus heals and holds back his miraculous healing power for his own reasons. This is why I say that faith is incredible and it's unexplainable and it is also very mysterious as it pertains to healing because God's will to heal is not always in line with our idea about what healing is supposed to be and what kind of healing is supposed to take place because we're usually asking pretty specific questions when we come to God about healing, I want this to be healed because of this. Um, a lot of times we just want more time with people on the earth. And I don't think that that's a bad thing because we crave relationships. We crave fellowship with people, especially the people in our families, the people that are part of our godly family in Jesus Christ. It's not a bad thing, but we tend to ask for healing because we want people to stick around longer. And sometimes God doesn't want them to stick around here any longer. Their suffering here is done. And they're ready to be taken up into glory. And so that's what happened there. And that is what happens sometimes. If you're not healed, though you believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith or that you are lacking. It means that Jesus is telling you that his grace is sufficient for you, just like he told the Apostle Paul. And I want to read that for you. This comes from 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Church, I tell you, if, if you are weak, then you're in a good place. If you're weary, you're in a good place. You're experiencing the struggle of life and the struggle of this world. But if you're in Christ, you're right where you need to be. Jesus doesn't say that this world will be without suffering. As a matter of fact, he tells us that we will suffer, especially endure persecution because of him. So take heart if you haven't received the healing that you've been praying for. It could be that Jesus is saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This woman was weakened by this condition, just as we are weakened by things that happen to us that are out of our control. And it is in weakness that we are made strong, just like Paul says, and just like this woman with the condition of blood. There is a strength that builds within the person as a result of the suffering that we endure. We are able to endure even more because of what we already have gone through. Notice also that Jesus didn't tell her that it was because she sinned that this happened to her. This was just something that she was dealt in her lifetime. But God rescued her from not only the bodily pain that she'd been enduring, but also from the eternal torment that she would have suffered had she not professed her faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. He traded his blood for hers. He stopped her from bleeding, and he bled for her sins. He freed her from her suffering, and he will free you from yours. We've spoken about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before, um, when we went through Daniel and the Heroes and Holiness uh, sermon series. Remember when they were in front of King Nebuchadnezzar, and they told him, my Lord can, my Lord will, and even if he doesn't, I will never, ever bow down and worship your statue. This is the heart condition that we must have when we approach the Lord. 
is that we know he can heal, we know that he will heal, but even if he doesn't heal, we'll still never go to the world for the answers to life's most important questions, for the answers to our suffering, for healing that we need in our body from eternal salvation. We will never go anywhere else but to Jesus. This should be our hard cry. I know my God can, and I know my God will, but even if he doesn't, I will still worship him and him alone. Let this be the purity of the cry of your heart, and the pure in hearts are blessed, and they shall see God. This is the hope that we have, church. This is the same hope as Paul And the same hope as this woman that we have. We have faith that even when it doesn't go exactly like we want it to go. Even when he doesn't answer us exactly how we want him to answer us. Even if I'm not healed from this ailment. I will still give glory and honor to God for his providence. I will still give glory and honor to God for his compassion and his tenderness and his love and his care for me throughout the ages to save me when I couldn't save myself. We will still worship our one true God and him alone. You see, because he has seen fit to give us the opportunity to love him in return for his love for us. We get this incredible opportunity to love God today, y'all. Will you take that opportunity to love him? Because I promise you, he loves you. And he is stirring the affections of your heart for him in this very moment. To submit your life to him once and for all. And to give him everything that you are. That you would be taken up in him. Covered in his righteousness forever. And that he would trade your blood for his. That as you die and go to the ground, into the dust of the earth, from which we were brought forth into this world in the beginning that his blood will cover us for eternity. This is the blood trade. This is what Christ has done for us. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is a revealing of glory in us that the sufferings of this world can't even hold a candle to. The suffering of this world may burn hot, church, but the glory yet to be revealed in us burns even hotter and it burns even brighter and it's a bigger fire and it's an eternal fire and it's the fire that the Lord is igniting within us each and every day if we can just see it. Will you see it today, church? Will you open your eyes to the truth that God is calling you to himself every moment of every day, inviting you in, so that he would wrap his arms around you and you would feel that compassionate hug of the Savior that holds you forever. Remember that this woman felt changed immediately, that she felt a difference inside of her, that she felt freed from her suffering immediately. There is an immediacy to the saving of God. It's immediate. It's in an instant. Just like when we go from this world to be with him, when we close our eyes in this world, we die in this world, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We are present with him in a flash, in a moment. When we are saved, it is in an instant. And immediately, we are changed. We are made new. And then we are continued, or we we, we continue to be made new over and over and over again as we are being sanctified and set apart For the glory of God. Now being sanctified means when we're growing in Christ. He's sanctifying us. He's setting us apart. 
And this is what we have to look forward to in Jesus. Just know that the body that you sit there in will shed like a garment, your physical body. And you will put on the imperishable and you will put on the glory of God and it will be revealed in you. His glory will shine forth brighter than any sun, brighter than any star that this universe will ever see. His glory will be revealed in and through us and we will be revealed because of his undying love for us. His glory will be revealed in and through us and will be revealed because of his undying love for us. He loves us so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not die, would not meet his end just in this world and never see anything ever again. But even though we die, we will have everlasting life, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And this is the truth of God that he gives to us in his word. He gave his son so that we would one day put on his garment and be covered by his blood and therefore be seen as righteous. This would then make us his sons and his daughters through adoption, through the adoption into his heavenly family. Just as Jesus called the woman daughter because of her faith, he calls us sons and daughters because of ours. And we will be his children and he will be our God forever. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ before today, I pray that you would do so. I pray that you would listen to his call as he's calling you from right where you sit, right where you lay right now, calling you to himself. If you want to give your life to Jesus, all you have to do, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, is that, that you would say with your lips that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you would believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that we are saved if that's the truth, that we profess with our lips and believe in our heart. Because that profession that we make with our lips is from the belief in the heart. Be saved today. Give your life to Jesus Christ once and for all. As you are being called by the Father, as John 6 says. Called by the Father and given over into the hand of the Son. I pray that you would do that this morning. I pray that you would give him your all. And that you would be wrapped up in glory with all of us once and for all. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. God, we lift you up this morning. We, we love you so much, God. We thank you for the miracle that you provided for us in the text. That, Lord, your word would communicate to us this incredible power that you have, that you heal people with. And, God, that you don't only heal the physical body, but you save us eternally. That you heal the spiritual condition. Lord God, I love you, and I thank you so much, Lord, for saving us. Because we need you so desperately, God. And I pray, Lord, that if anybody out there is suffering, that they would cry out to you and call out to you for help. That if anyone out there, Lord, desires to be saved, that they would cry out to you for help and that you would save them once and for all. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.